All right. What's up, guys? This is the Daily Nerd Podcast, formerly known as Lunch Break Podcast, now combined. I'm here with my two co-hosts today, uh, Casey Lamarca of Casey Lamarca Creative. Welcome to the program. The artist formerly known as Casey Lamarca. And I'm also here with Stephen Galante of Escalante Productions. He makes me say that. Stephen, welcome to the program. First time you got it right, but uh, thanks for, thank you for having me. So the goal is now to have a weekly podcast because in order to get you guys to listen, you want some good weekly content. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have good weekly content on this podcast. It is Wednesday night. I'm declaring, if it works for everyone, Wednesday nights are podcast nights. Yeah, as long as... Um you know, there's a Celtics game on, or, or any any excuse to just you know have a male bonding night. Well, I mean, if it's not you guys, then it's me and Vinny. So I got options. Shout out to Vinny. You you get out of your people, call my people. I'll, hey uh, Vinny, if you're listening, um, you and I need to talk about Marvel because there were two trailers that dropped last week, Captain Marvel and Avengers, and I feel like we both feel differently about it. So can we set up that podcast? This is a tough thing to do because Vinny's not here to defend himself, but I could not care less. About the Marvel Universe. See, I envy Vinny because he reminds me of the soul that I used to have with movies where I get excited over trailers. And now I'm like, back in my day, there used to be movies and I want to be more like Vinny. Well, I think the thing is, too, Vinny, <clears throat> Vinny comes from a love of comic books. So he loves seeing comic books on screen. You I, know, can I, I can relate to that. I'm excited for the Lord of the Rings show. That, okay, so if, you know? if that's how I feel. For right. sure. There it's is a bias. Not, just not our cup of tea. There's a there's a I'm very hypocritical when it comes to that stuff. Give me all the Lord of the Rings shows. I'm in. Yeah. Um so Steve, how do you feel about Marvel? I don't know if I've ever asked you. Uh I'm definitely Team Casey when it comes to uh the Marvel universe as it currently stands. I, have I think we definitely have gotten into this before. Probably, yeah. But I've done a number of podcasts, I can't really keep track. It's just it's one of those things where there's a movie coming out next year called Avengers. Endgame, and right after it, like no joke, two months later, I think the next Spider-Man movie comes out, and he apparently, spoiler alert, have you guys seen the first Avengers: Infinity War? No. Okay, no. so there's a character that dies that we know doesn't die because there's a movie about him coming back out. Oh, so yeah, well, yeah. I just don't it. understand how Marvel can continue to manipulate in their marketing. Genius, by the way, because they make billions. The one interesting thing about it was, does it look like it's Robert Downey Jr.'s last? Movie? Yes, but they've said that before. And maybe it's his last, but if he doesn't die and he runs out of money, which he might, because you never know. He's the best part of that. How much money does he make? He makes more than anybody. I mean, there was a point where he was making like 50 million for Avengers, and that was the first one. Jesus. Well, think about it. If you're him, it's a no-brainer, right, to do these movies, because you're going to make a huge paycheck. If you're Marvel or studio executives, you're like, no-brainer, let's keep making these things. We're making a boatload of money. The bubble hasn't burst yet. That's why I, I feel like I'm going to sound like a jerk if I continue to bash these because it's like when the Patriots win Super Bowls, I just have to shut up. If I'm not a Pats fan, they win, I got to shut up. Marvel, apparently their reviews are great for them, even though I don't really agree. Black Panther is going to get nominated for Best Picture, which is a good movie, but they're now taking over the Oscars. If they win an Oscar one day, I, I guess I just have to throw in the towel. Which studio produces Marvel films? Disney. So if you're a Disney exec, if Casey Lamarca, you are a Disney exec. Your tone would be completely different right now, yeah. right? Because yeah. you'd be like, let's pump out more of these. They Marvel don't produce films. all Marvel films. Well, Marvel has their own studio, but the studio is owned by Disney. Disney didn't do Venom. No, so there's, there's a lot of uh, there's branch so- off movies. So Spider Man used to be owned Sony. by Sony. Yeah. And Spider Man, that's why he was never involved in the Marvel movies until finally 
My guess is because Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2, the only reason why those existed is for them to keep the rights. So if there isn't a movie in development, then they lose the rights. And I think it got to the point where the movies weren't making money. And so they looked at Marvel and they probably were like, all right, we should probably start combining. Similar thing happened now they with have uh, those opposite ones. Fantastic Four from a couple of years ago. Fan Four Stick. I believe it was that one. It was either that one or the one before it. The one directed by Josh Trank. That the one with Miles Teller. That was the yeah, one. Yeah, uh, it was directed that, by Josh Trank. It Miles was Teller was in a superhero movie? He was in Fan Four Stick. Fantastic so Four. So was Michael B. Jordan. In the same movie, and apparently it was awful. Jeez, what a killer lineup. I mean, I never even heard of it, so yeah, that must say a lot, because those are two big names. And those, no, yeah, I mean, now that uh, Michael B. Jordan, he's part of the Marvel franchise in Black Panther, so it's like, all these are just... You know, which which Fantastic Four character did they each play? So Michael B. Jordan was Flame, Flame what was it? Johnny Blazer. Johnny Blazer, and uh, Miles Teller was... Mr. Fantastic? Yeah. What? So looking at Is the... There been, it, yeah. At least in the original ones, he was like a older guy, like a doctor. Yeah. Miles Teller played him. Well, looking at the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes, we have a nine percent. Yeah. And then IMDb. Who played uh, Mrs. Fantastic and who played Kimura the Stone guy? And I mean, those are great actors. Yeah. What's the Stone guy's name again? Uh, the Thing, I believe. The yeah, thing, yeah. Jamie Bell played. Oh the yeah, thing. Jamie Bell, the scrawniest kid from King Young Kong. Kid too. I don't know. And, who and that is. Billy Elliot. Um. <laughs> I mean, this. If I'm looking at this cast. Let's say before this movie came out, I'm like, all right, this is going to well, be it's pretty also good. The director of it, Josh Trank, he did that movie Chronicle, which I think is actually a pretty good movie and has that uh, found footage sort of uh, Young guy effect too. to it. And he was slated to do a Star Wars movie. And then Fantastic Four came out, reviews were terrible. And then he tweeted to the studio that said, I had an alternate cut. I guess that's life. And when you do that, the day before a movie opens, the studio calculated it that. That guy's one tweet lost them like $100 million. Sounds pretty similar to what happened to Suicide Squad. Oh, David Ayer? Yeah. The movie so made money, though. He had another cut, right? And they were like, no, this is no good. Or well, He wanted to match the tone of like a Deadpool or something, and the studio was like, no, we want dark and gritty. And that, I mean, after you shoot a movie and you try and make it something different in post. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. I mean, you should know some of all people, right? If you try and fix something in post, especially plot, it's not going to work out for you. Agreed. So, I mean, I never saw Suicide Squad, but I didn't hear. Let's just say there is a things. scene with Jared Leto, which, credit to him, in the first trailers, he was the best part. I, I was actually I excited guy. to see a different rendition of the Joker. And I had my, my mind open at the time because Batman vs. Superman hadn't come out yet, I don't think. And no one's name was sort of attached. David Ayer was doing it. Will Smith it had all the makings. Margot Robbie, another great continue actress. Continue the Nolan run because DC had all the credit before, during the Dark Knight trilogy. Then I saw Suicide Squad, and there's a scene where Jared Leto is in a helicopter, talking to Margot Robbie, and the helicopter gets hit by a missile, and it's in flames, but it's still flying somehow. And Jared Leto turns to Margot Robbie and says, "This bird is baked. This bird is baked." And that is that is when I was done. Uh, I think uh, I saw the trailer only once, so don't hold me fully to this, but to bring some life back to DC, I didn't think the Aquaman trailer looked terrible. I just don't like Aquaman as a superhero, though. Like He doesn't seem that cool. Whoever's playing him seems pretty badass. Cal Drogo, right? Vinny Chase, yeah. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, he's oh. a character from Game of Thrones. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Vinny Chase is from Entourage. Yeah. yeah, that that <laughs> one oh, went over my head at first. <laughs> but yes, I've seen Entourage. I think we have to get off the superhero movie subject because 
it's such a divisive. It's like politics when you bring this stuff up. Well, we're not going to get into politics, I don't think, because that would alienate our, our viewers. But I, Marvel Listen. is a similar thing because people either love. Should I say this. it? Should I just say it? What? Make Marvel movies great again? <laughs> <laughs> that combines yeah, yeah. very uh, polarizing topics. All right. Well, next also, topic. The, the All Trump supporters are Marvel fans. No, I'm just kidding. The All Avenger right. movies, I think, kind of segues into what we're talking about here with sort of like wrapping up the year and thinking about 2018 as a whole in terms of what we daily nerded about for I so long. What would be good is let's talk about media in general. So I'm talking about I'm movies, TV. I want to talk about, and I know you guys don't play it. How big Red Dead Redemption really was because it made so much money. How much did it make? You know, I heard somewhere that it made. If this is wrong, I'm going to sound really dumb. Okay, but I heard that it made more than like every movie, every TV show, every medium ever. It made a shit ton of money. It makes sense though. A movie costs twelve bucks. Games are sixty. Yeah, games are sixty. And you got to buy stuff within the game, right? Uh, yeah, sometimes there's these things called microtransactions. So, can we... I just I just checked it out. Uh, according to Wikipedia and a few other sites. Yeah, I trust them. Okay. Rockstar Games announced that Red Dead Redemption 2 had the largest opening weekend in the history of entertainment, making over $725 million in revenue in three days and over 17 million copies in total in two weeks, exceeding the lifetime series and sales of Red Dead Redemption 1. Also, I think video well, games are more globalized than movies. Yeah, and the, the thing is, too, you can buy it across platforms. So you can buy it for PlayStation, you can buy it for Xbox. You can't buy it for PC yet. You cannot buy it for Nintendo, obviously. Yeah, USA Today. Two, 700, that is the equivalent in, in how many days? Wait, are you telling me it beat? In three days. It beat Red Dead Redemption 1 till this moment. Red Dead like, Redemption ever, 1's about for 10 yeah. years. Well, that's how I look at it with like sequels and movies. Like Dark Knight made $158 million its opening weekend, and then worldwide it shattered the entire gross of Batman Begins. Yeah. So sequels are supposed to do that, but in terms of... Like you said, media in general. This is why I'm trying a lot harder to stay connected to gaming, esports. You know, this whole world that's going Twitch. It's it's going in that direction a lot faster. That's why than we when think. people say like, "Oh, I don't play video games anymore. I'm an adult." Like you don't understand video games anymore. Well, there is still a time-consuming problem with it. Yeah, I but, wish I could come home and do it, but like it's just a lot of responsibility and. But people, but like if you have the time and you're an adult and you're a responsible adult and you're playing video games, it's not necessarily an immature thing to do. So let me ask you guys this question then: Do you think? The day and age in which you could say that video games, you're wasting your time, those days are over, right? Yeah, because you can make a boatload of money but with them. But it's also like how I look at it when you're doing video and you're doing any sort of media is, are you really going to be able to make a living out of it unless that's all you're doing? Like, aren't some of these gamers, like, it's every day for hours and hours and that's all you can do? Let me ask you something. So, say you want to be a professional basketball player. Say you're like Steve and you're really good on the court and you're practicing every day to get to that, what is the difference between somebody coming home, practicing every day at Fortnite or Overwatch, trying to get more? You could get more money by being a professional gamer than by being a professional well, you get basketball sad player. If you sit there. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm talking monetary gaming. <laughs> monetary gaming. From you a, might die at forty. Strictly from the lens of practicing to master a craft, there's no different. But obviously, health wise, yeah, there's there's health benefits. Obviously, there's. I do think a me a mental aspect to it too, like depending on the game you're playing. But some games are yeah. just like loopless and mindless. Like, uh, you know, I guess it's can be a social thing. But so do you I don't think know. Red I don't. Do I, I don't play much. But do you think Red Dead Redemption could be a movie franchise or a TV franchise? The thing is, every time they try and make 
movies based off video game franchises, they generally fail. Oh, yeah. Like Metal so, Gear Solid. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. See, Warcraft. One, yeah. One Actually, thing, never made Hitman. Solid, all those they? movies are terrible. One thing I hear from all my close friends who play video games a lot is like this new video game will come out and they'll be like, oh, dude, it's just like a movie, like all the cutaway scenes and stuff. But it's like, sure, that may be true. But my from my perspective... If I want to watch a movie, I'll go watch a movie. If I have a video game, it's because I want to play a video game. I don't want to sit through cutscenes and have to read subtitles. And I think it's a preferencing again, though. Or, or like a movie, and this is going to sound really stupid, but like when I'm playing Red Dead Redemption, the main character is Arthur Morgan. I'm now invested in him as a character, and I want to see him succeed. So you're following the story like you're watching a movie. I mean, I would say Halo was the beginning of that with this idea of having a main character you root for, I think. Master Halo, Chief, right? Yeah, and so you're right, though. Video games, it's hard to transition because I think it is about that immersive experience. You feel everything. You're a part of it. You're almost choosing your own story. You know, there's still this interactive experience to it. And I think when you bring up media and all these sort of things combined, it reminds me of when technology, like 100 years ago, with a printing press and a newspaper and, you know, the invention of TV, nothing was connected yet. Yeah. And so I think eventually we're going to have that half being in the story experience, maybe VR, and oh, then jumping out and being a part of it. and It's going to eventually evolve. Yeah. And then I feel like people who say that thing about like your kids play video games, they probably haven't played a video game since Mario. And it's like... And they were told their whole life by their parents that it's a waste of time. Yeah, if you're and responsible... It, time. it was. But if you're a responsible person, yes, you play, you moderate your time. You play video games for an hour. I don't want to do adult things. I don't want to make fun of gamers because I'm actually in awe of some of the talent out there. But I do get concerned when there are people who literally live in it so long they lose touch with reality. It's like a drug addiction. Yeah, it's like uh, World of Warcraft. Like yeah. there's stories where people like lose their homes because they ran out of money playing a game. And I That's, had friends that got into World of Warcraft that didn't do anything else but yeah. sit and play. It, it was like an, a drug addiction. You ever see King of Kong, the documentary? I don't think so. So it's about the the actual arcade game Donkey Kong. And it was a story about this guy who like broke the record and there's this thing in the Donkey Kong video game, like the actual arcade game called the Kill Screen or something like that where the game can literally freeze and you can actually go higher above the score that goes to whatever zero. <laughs> anyway, there's a documentary about it. Uh, Colin Trevorrow did it. He did Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, did he do that? Yeah, he did. And it was between this guy who beat the record and this guy who owned a game at home. And the two of them go head to head and they filmed the documentary where it was like this good guy at home versus like the evil villain. But then you find out did the evil villain cheat? Fascinating documentary. And I think they wanted to turn it into a real movie one day, but you should check it out. I think that works better as a documentary. I don't yeah. know if I want to watch a movie version it of that. It takes place at Fun Spot in New Hampshire. Interesting. Yeah. Largest arcade, I think, in the country. Well, video games can be good, like everything else, in moderation. That's the moral of this story. Speaking of moderation, do you have any uh, resolutions for next year, Christian? Let's go with Steve first. Steve, do you have any resolutions for next year? Let's go with Casey first. Uh, Let's go back to Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to just be a healthier person. I know everybody picks this resolution. I would like to... Pretty healthy, though. I mean, you ate tuna. Like three I, times I, today, so. no, well, that's not healthy. There's a lot of mercury in tuna. I mean, it's healthier in, mo- in moderation. So, what's your years. which like? Because you think everything's unhealthy. What's what's healthy? I think a good way to measure healthy food is actually to follow the whole thirty diet. 
And when I did follow Whole30, like, I did it for like two weeks. You're supposed to do it for 30 days. Right. And I drank alcohol. So I really didn't do it. But when you follow Whole30 and you go to the grocery store, you'll notice everything in your cart. There's no artificial things at all. And that's just like a good way to measure it. And the Daily Nerd Podcast is brought to you by Whole30. Yeah, seriously, sponsor us, Whole30. Jesus. I believe in you. Well, like I'm saying, that's what health is to me. And I was thinking more of a fun resolution, something that resolutions aren't maybe fun. if you know. Yeah, the they're they're are, not supposed to. Be yeah, they're, fun. Not, they're, so, they're not fun. Well, I didn't mean fun in terms of I'm going to start partying more or anything like that, but I meant have a different outlook on life, do something you've never done before. Any of those fun resolutions? Um, Just you're going to eat tuna and sit in the on the spot. When I'm on the spot, no, I can't. Really I've never been a millionaire before. Yeah, I'm be a millionaire. That's my resolution. So what are the top ways to become a millionaire? Should we Google it? <laughs> I mean, you could be like Walter White. And you could just... Oh, good transition, nope, Christian. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> he said it first. <laughs> Steve, what's your resolution? If you had to pick. A fun, quote-unquote, no, one? anything. Any resolution. I agree with you. I just want to be, you know, healthy and friendly to all, you know? <laughs> friendly? Yeah, friendly I just want to be a good person. Yeah. I mean, you're already you're a pretty good guy, I would say. I like you, Steve. You're a friendly individual. I'm looking up the most popular New Year's resolutions on the internet. Should we should we read these? The internet's never wrong, so. Well, these are lame. These are like, how do you lose weight? And it's always go to the gym. How about fun New Year's resolutions? Like something that's like life changing. I'm gonna stop thinking about calories. You stop thinking about them and just they're just going to go away? I'm just going to go... Yeah, I'm going to will myself into having less. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a weird topic because it's, it's hard to... It's hard to really think of something. Wait, Steve, are you looking up dad jokes over there? <laughs> I can see your computer screen. <laughs> My actually, I have a resolution to see more movies in theaters. I know we're going back to movies again, but... It's it now requires some effort, and I'm curious to see if movies will start being marketed that way. Outside of you have to see it in theaters, it's more the better the movies. Maybe you go back. I don't. I wish. Go, I would like to go to a film festival. Which one? Uh, that's Toronto. a good one. Toronto Film Festival. We should go there. It's cheap. Yeah, I mean, South by Southwest would be the pinnacle, but so I did go to South by when I wasn't twenty-one. If I went there, though, I would need to go to the music festival also. Well, then that's like super yeah, it's stupid expensive. expensive. It's like fifteen hundred dollars for the whole it's, pass. No, it's more than that. I uh, think. It used to be 500. <laughs> the platinum pass, which was like everything, used to be fifteen hundred. It's probably what? Yeah, I think like it's two thousand plus. That's just like insane. And so I've I've submitted uh, work. I have as well. Uh, and South by Southwest before, unfortunately not accepted. But they're, they're uh, whatever you want to call it, condolence letter is fucking a slap to the face. They're like, oh, we'll give you like, $50 off. Right, yeah. $50 off, 2000 Yeah. Okay, cool. From what I hear, and this saying this on a podcast will probably make it so I never get into South by Southwest. From what I hear is you have to know somebody to get into a festival like South by Southwest. Like, you don't just get in if you submit your work. You yeah, have to, like, I, have connections. So I think that like goes for anything. Else. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you'll never Nepotism. get into the Cannes Film Festival unless you know a dude. Or, I mean, obviously, if you're, like, Martin Scorsese. You'll I get don't know it. if that's true. All right, let's try it. I know a kid I went to college with. He ended up there. I'm not sure how the film did, but... Got you, gotta make, you gotta make some sort of, like... 
not political drama, well, I but wonder like if there's a topical. connection because Steve, you had a film in New Hampshire Film Festival. Yeah, but then I, I never I, got accepted I, again. I, I applied two more years after that, I think. So I think I got accepted because my film had a New Hampshire connection to it. So did mine. Yeah, so I think... And then my the other two I submitted didn't, and yep. years later. Well, I got into, when I was living in Rhode Island, I got into the Rhode Island Film Festival, and my screening was with other strictly Rhode Island filmmakers. Yeah, so I, I think it was the same thing. Like, I was from the state. Interesting. So that's probably true. Hmm. Like they saw like, all right, this kid is from, where are you from, Londonderry? Yes. But it's bullshit because, yeah, just no matter what film you make, it has a New Hampshire connection because you're from here. And now we won't get into the New Hampshire Film Festival either. <laughs> well, New Hampshire is a very um, popular state for film. Well, I mean, Rhode, Rhode Island's actually is relatively popular because Providence is a pretty artsy city. Mm-hmm. And then Boston, I mean, Boston has art as well. Yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to New England. I feel like it is still misinterpreted in big movies. I think the only movies that are made in New England are, if it's in Massachusetts, it's a Boston crime thriller. The accents right? are always so exaggerated. They're so bad. I'm, I'm from the area and I can't even do it. In uh, There might be like a Cape Cod sort of angle or like a beach thing. But name a movie that gets New England right. Name a movie that gets... like The Witch. You know, in, in in Maine, there's horror movies, you know. Because I'm from the 1600s. In New Hampshire, they have What I About mean, Bob and, like, Labor Day. Those are the only two movies I can think I'm of. Trying to, so, like, if I think about Rhode Island, I think about Dumb and Dumber, the first 20 minutes. First 20 minutes. And basically, any Farley Brothers movie, because that's where they're from. Mm-hmm. Trying to think. There was a movie called Outside Providence, directed by Michael Correnti. You know him? He made Outside Providence. But, uh, I don't know. I can't really think. Uh, I mean, there's been... Well, it's, it's, it's weird, because... Fever Pitch? Fever Pitch is, yeah. That's a great story so here, just because the, the, the original ending. script, yeah, was supposed to be them losing. And I remember when the Red Sox won 2004, they they showed on TV Jimmy Fallon making out with Drew Barrymore, and my family was like, who are those at? Is Jimmy Fallon from Boston? I think he's from New York. I think he's a Yankee fan. Really? So, like, he just got casted in that? I think so. Casey, do you? Where Jimmy Fallon's from? Is he from New York? We got three computers up. We're gonna Google. I'm almost positive he's from. Is Drew Barrymore? Is Drew Barrymore from Boston? I don't Mm, think so. So yeah, so they just both got cast in a Red Sox. There's a list here of some movies. You know, that's probably why he took it because he's a Yankees fan and he the script was them. And then he's like, shit, they won the World Series. Here's some movies that were filmed. (laughs) I'm gonna go backwards with the the, the latest ones. You have Patriots Day. You have a you know a big event. Uh, Honestly. Don't sleep on it. Oh. I know it sounds offensive. It's not as offensive as you think. I th- th- no this kid, uh, Boondock Saints, that's Boston. It's Boston. But I'm going backwards. The Departed. Manchester by the Sea, that was... That's a good one, because that's not necessarily... It still sort of has that towny... Manchester, New Hampshire by the guy, Sea? That guy exists. <laughs> oh, they Casey Affleck exists exist. in this real world. Then you have a black mass, Spotlight... It's got to be something terrible with... Too many exaggerated accents yeah, in the movie. Didn't um, deserve Best Picture. Some Keep movies. Uh, Ted. Ted, Ted 2. Yep. Uh, let's see. Moonrise Kingdom was set on the fictional New England Filmed Island. Filmed in Rhode Island. Of, oh, yeah. That's right. Not a Rhode Island Sucker movie. Punch. Oh, that makes me feel great. Then you have like Social Network. Again, everything's negative. There's no... Name a positive New England movie. Are we all just a bunch of stiffs up here? Name a positive New Englander. Um, Do you know dog? any? Nope. Your dog doesn't like <laughs> me. <laughs> This list here says almost famous because there's one scene when? in Boston. It's when uh, um, Stillwater guy, he uh, 
sells Penny Lane for fifty bucks in a case of beer. At the humble pie. But there's no what actual kind scene of, of beer. Kind That's of the beer. scene. That movie's been coming up a lot lately in my life. Yeah, it's a classic. It is. Steve, you seen Almost Famous? I have not. Oh my god, you gotta watch this weekend. It's a good movie to you know. Mystic River, like I'll add it to the let's list. have yeah. a terrible thing happen. Departed. When did it come out? Little Children, Gone Baby Gone. Who's in it? Everything is just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kate Hudson is the main actress in it, and then Dumb and a- Dumber when Harry met Lloyd. Well, okay. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do now. You guys are gonna be in the middle of a conversation. I'm just gonna name. That's a really great list. Movie that was people. filmed in New England. Perfect storm. Don't be so I rude, Casey. A fish. Me, myself, and Irene takes place in. Rock. I always get the fish. So don't fuck with me. <laughs> I actually have a soft spot for the movie. I really like that movie. It's a little bit over the top. I mean, it's a true story. The musical score is very dramatic. It is. Of what movie? Perfect Storm. You remember that movie? It's also the most depressing movie ever because they all just die. Whoa, spoiler alert. Okay. It is a true story, though. There's something about Mary. Eh, overrated. Parent Trap. I think these are just like movies that had Parent Trap did not take place in New England. In it. A Good Will Hunting, I guess, is the most iconic. Again, though, Boston stereotype. Oh, Jumanji was filmed in Keene. Well, not all of it. Like one scene, right? I think most of it was filmed in New Hampshire. Isn't the whole movie take place at a I think, house? I think all, only yeah. the downtown scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah, they might the have filmed it elsewhere. Set? Yeah, that makes sense. The and, and the rest was in, like, space and shit, right? Space? What Jumanji are you watching? Or the, the jungle? You're thinking about the sequel <laughs> from about last Williams. year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know there's a movie before that. You know right? that's like yeah. I don't know if he does. I'm looking at his face. <laughs> and it looks like he doesn't know. Dude, Jumanji, the new one, made way too much money. We're going to get Jumanji. Actually, I heard it was pretty good. I watched it and shut it off. <laughs> shut out Scotty to Audi. Exactly. Teenage Old man yells at clouds. Turtles, mermaids. It. Casey, this segment's not landing. It's not landing? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to uh, it's it's uh, December 12th. We have a couple weeks till Christmas. Big fan of the holidays in in my house. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about Christmas and the Christmas season. Fans, you like it? It um, has its ups and downs. Take it. Take the shopping part out of it. When you get to Christmas Day and you're with your family, oh, that's the best. Yeah. It's a nice time, right? Yeah, of course. I think I it's mean, been commercialized to the point where I'm yeah. putting up stuff in November, but try not to be a Scrooge this year. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people miss the actual point of it, and I could do without gifts. In general, and like honestly, like I love like the Yankee swaps and stuff because it's for fun. Like you know, there's no pressure to be like, oh, I gotta get this and I gotta get that. Um, but I think like just give if you want to give something. You know, I think yeah, joke gifts to, have become a huge thing now. It doesn't have to be something like you could like cook something nice for, for your family. Well, that's like, why you I like do, Thanksgiving. Yeah, because Thanksgiving is basically. If Christmas didn't have Thanksgiving presents. Day is my favorite. It's the best. It's the best. It's food, beer, football, wine. What else do you want? The whole Christmas has basketball, but yeah, it's true. It's true. The Celtics play on Christmas. This they year. usually do. Yeah, yeah. So. it's usually like a Celtics Knicks game or Cavs Warriors have been playing each other, but they're probably not doing that again this year. Who do we have? Uh, is, do we have the Knicks or the Sixers this year? Probably Sixers. They always they always try and do the marquee matchups. Do you have a, so in terms of movies, when it comes to Christmas, uh, do either of you have a favorite holiday film? I know that they play Christmas Story for 24 hours on TBS. Do you ever catch that? Or I know. Well, uh, Fast and the Furious hasn't made a Christmas movie yet, so oh, let me I'd think. I'd watch that. 
every podcast. Oh my god! And they're playing the he Sixers. Does a race against Santa and the reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd watch that. I would Yo, watch that. my money is on Dom Toretto. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> um, the reindeer kept me out of handcuffs. So, uh, definitely like growing up, I uh, always loved watching the ones with my mom, where it was like the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser and the. Oh yeah, like the really old like uh, stop motiony ones. No, well, you wrote one about the Island of Misfit Toys the, ones, right? It's Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they're all in the same time period, but specifically, I'm talking about the one. There's one with the Heat Miser, the one and the Snow Miser, and one. Santa Claus is coming to town. Maybe. maybe, but like just those in general, yeah, like those oldie ones. I like. I'd have to think about like a real, like. It's, uh, Hollywoodish Christmas movie, though. You want to talk about the ultimate classics? It's a Wonderful Life is actually a legitimately good movie. It's wonderful. It it might I people call it a Christmas movie. There's one scene that takes place on Christmas. So it also what happened was is the movie when it came out it was bombed, not, right? It kind of bombed. It was kind of taken as like a cheesy Hallmark, and it it is. But then some you know, shout out to whoever did this, a marketer, TV exec, decided to put it on every Christmas and it became a Christmas movie. And so I think it's a genius way of showing how a movie can evolve from one thing into something that now it's become the Christmas movie. And I think we all need it. I think in this day and age, as the world turns into a very interesting place, it's good to uh, have moments of characters like it's a wonderful life. Well, somebody once told me that Jimmy Stewart was that era's Tom Hanks, basically. I think that's dead on. Yeah. Pretty for much. sure, and he, uh, he's, I don't, I don't want to say he's underrated in Jimmy Stewart film history because he's probably highly rated. I think he's going to be exactly like Tom Hanks. He's, everyone's like, oh yeah, it's Tom Hanks. He's the best. But you know, for the Philadelphia Forrest Gump, he won those two Oscars. But he's sort of underappreciated. I think for consistency and for kind of playing himself in a lot of movies. And I think Tom Hanks is more dynamic than Jimmy Stewart could have been. I think so too. I think this, the technology now has gotten to a point where before you went to go see a movie because it was Jimmy Stewart, it right. was Humphrey Bogart, and now there's a combination of, oh, it's Tom Hanks, he plays himself, and you know, when you see Apollo 13, when you see Bridge of Spies, Road to Perdition, he's sort of playing Tom Hanks, then there's other roles where Forrest he gets Gump, into character not. Forrest Gump, I mean, even Saving Private Ryan, he's kind of himself, but Castaway, he kind of transforms yeah. into something, or Lady Killers, he goes a little quirky, that's, that a, that's a good movie. Yeah, it is. That was good, yeah. Underrated. You yeah. brought your bitch to the Waffle Hut? <laughs> what's the best Tom Hanks movie? I quoted mean, that last week. <laughs> you know what's really so good? Captain Phillips. Wait, who oh, quoted it last week? You did. You quoted Lady Killers like one Probably week. not last week. Probably Very while, recent. Yeah. Within the last month. It's a good the movie. The only movie where Tom Hanks and Marlon Wayans would ever be in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. The Wayne, The Wayans, that's a, that's a good comedy family. Uh... Sorry, what were you saying, Casey, though? I was saying Tom Hanks is very underappreciated. Christian, what's your favorite Christmas movie? All right, so we've debated this. I love A Christmas Story because, first of all, it's funny. It's very funny. And the nostalgia factor, like I always watch A Christmas Story with my family and everything. But I think my favorite, like I just watched this last weekend, is Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. I just think it's so hilarious. You just watched it? No, like again. Okay. I've say, seen that, it five million that one's times. Wonderful. I think it's probably the funniest Christmas movie I can think of. You got to put a Nightmare Before Christmas up in your but list. But is that a Christmas movie? Yeah. There is a debate between is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween. movie? That's an actually another well. It is. A, it's a Christmas it's movie a Christmas though, movie. because he's 
It's in the title. It it <laughs> technically has every like holiday in it when he goes out into the forest and has the do- the, do- the doors. I right. think there's two different Christmas movies. But there's that Nightmare Before Christmas it, one and. Well, he he the main character, yeah, he's from the Halloween town, but it's all about him discovering Christmas. Right. So there's that mm-hmm. side where it's like animated and over the top, and then there's that national Christmas. And I think for me, I'm more on that side where to me Scrooge is my favorite Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. It's again when it came out in the eighties, it was not reviewed the best. It was mean spirited. But I think as we've gotten meaner as humans, it's become lighter. And yeah. I think that it's a very underrated Bill Murray movie. And you'll never get a movie that's allowed to be like a hard PG-13, but also still have a heart. And it's and the, the movie I watch every year. And there's been many renditions of it, but The Grinch is another one. Not the new one. I haven't seen the new one. I kind of want to see it, though. Here, I have a list of Christmas movies. You guys but just, just Hold The on Grinch a in general. I am one of these people. I do not like the Jim Carrey Grinch. I like the cartoon. I, I'm just not a fan of when they take a tiny children's book and stretch it to. So you don't like where the wild things are, the N- Hobbit. Not particularly. I love where the wild. Things How about are. the most overrated Christmas movie? Do you, is it Elf? Oh yeah, I was actually going to write a blog about I like this. Elf, I think it is. I mean, it's not a bad movie, it's but yeah, I think sure. it's very oversaturated. It's a little bit creepy, honestly. Like Zoe Deschanel is a weirdo in that because, well, like, why is she a weirdo? First of all. She Why has do you become so conservative. It's a listen, weird movie now. Elf. Listen, we elf should ban. We should ban Elf. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Zoe Deschanel basically falls in love with this man Christ. who has the brain of a ten year old. So, if we were going to talk about the amount of movies hey, that were contrived over two main male and female characters, and they fall in love. Half the ones out there are weird and creepy. They really are. How about we be a little PC? How about just holiday movies in general? Eight Crazy Nights? Come on. Oh, right. yeah. I got a list here. We're going to fly through them. Do you guys like them or not? Ready? I was going to say Hanukkah Grinch. movies. Which one? The new one. What I are we just saying? Them. Yeah or nay? Nightmare Before Christmas. You're just naming movies? No, do you like them or not? We've already talked about both right. of these. <laughs> talked about Elf Polar Express. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, the... The way it's like done, yeah, it's beautiful. The animation's nice. The love animation, yeah. Oh, never hate seen it. it. Just saw it recently. I love that movie. I'm a sucker. The Holiday. Never seen it. Is that with Queen Latifah? No. <laughs> the, uh, last Holiday was with Queen Latifah. This one's Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Kate Winslet, Jack Black. Uh, I'm out. Cameron Diaz. I'm Not out. bad. Home Alone, classic. Yes, good. Night Weird. Before is actually kind of funny. I've wanted to see it. Have you seen that, Steve? Nope. Seth Rogen. Uh, Christmas Carol, Jim Carrey. Didn't see it. Do like Christmas Carol, the story. I saw the play. I saw that in theaters, and it was kind of impressive at the time. Jim Carrey is a good actor. Yeah, he is. He's an incredible actor, we're actually. Gonna, we're going to talk about how Jim Carrey could be a good actor. I will say... He, to, no, he is a good actor. Christmas Carol... I'm sorry, I agree. Christmas Carol and Grinch, though, you did a lot of Christmas movies. And you make a lot of money on those things. Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie? Um, Elise would say yes. I think it could be. I don't know. Steve? Um, don't ask me. Okay. How about and Harold and Kumar have a Christmas movie? It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, I heard about that. It's actually pretty funny. Bad Santa. Uh, that's with Billy Bob Thornton. Didn't pretty see funny. that one. Home Alone 2. Classic. Yeah, I like that one. It's basically Home Alone 1 I don't like New Christmas York. with the Cranks. That one's kind of creepy. Christmas okay. with the Cranks sucks. Can I talk about Christmas <laughs> Cranks for a second? So it's based on a, a book called Skipping Christmas by John Grisham. Yeah. Not a bad book. 
I would check it out. They adapted it. John Grisham it. makes all writes all these law books, and then he was like, "I'm gonna write a fucking Christmas book." Probably because his publisher was like, "You can make a lot of money." Yeah, I remember when it came out. They interviewed him on Today Show, and they were like, "Why did you decide to write this book?" He's like, I, don't know, <laughs> I want to write about Christmas. And it's a good Matt Lauer. The creepiest Christmas movie by far is called Surviving Christmas. It's with James Gandolfini and yeah. Ben Affleck, and Christina Applegate, and Christina Applegate. And what's her name? The comedian. When Ben Affleck uh, has his entire family in the movie run from out. From Home Alone. Of, the mom from Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. It? They all run out all creepily like, get, up, get your coke, get out of here. And then he screams, don't leave. But there's ham. When he screams, but there's ham. YouTube it. I promise it's funnier when you YouTube it. That was the absolute bottom of the barrel of his career. Uh, yeah, that movie's horrendous. It's rum ham. <laughs> Steve's back. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. They got a Christmas episode, right? Uh, probably. That's something we could, I mean, when it comes to TV, do you have a favorite Christmas episode of television? There's so many. There's like... I can't think of that, no. I like uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip's Christmas episode. I know it's a show that nobody watches but me and three other people, but uh, Aaron Sorkin in the middle of his West Wing newsroom TV world, uh, well after sports night, he made Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which is... Such an underrated show, and as a Christmas episode, it'll make you feel really good. I feel like holiday TV shows are always kind of off because the way just the seasons run, you get your Christmas episode like the last week in November. Yeah, because by the time Christmas comes, all the shows have wrapped up. Nothing yeah. was binge then, too, so you only watch shows when it took place or when it was aired. So when Friends did their Christmas episode, they could literally write their 24-episode season saying this one's going to end or start at this certain time of the year. And they usually so do Thanksgiving episodes, too. So Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, New Year's, and Christmas. Then... And so that formula is there. But, you know, for shows that you see on Netflix that are streamed, do you ever have a... Season two of The Office has one of the best Christmas episodes in television history. Do you know the one I'm talking about? The Secret Santa one? That's pretty good. It is hilarious. That's and good. Michael looks like such an asshole in it. It's weird because I know you guys aren't massive Office fans, but... But pretty big. I mean, I watch it a lot. Michael so. made this kind of weird transition, I think around season three or four, where he used to be kind of just an asshole to, like, actually being very sympathetic. So do you think that was planned, or was that focus-grouped, and if he wasn't turning into a good guy, they'd lose ratings? If it were a movie, I would say it was planned, but TV, I feel like, especially sitcoms... Because the British planned. version is, like, really bad. He's a straight-up asshole. Straight-up asshole. Yeah, Ricky Gervais is... I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. I'm a big fan of British humor. Yeah. If you can understand their accents. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was planned, because TV is different, because they have so many writers, so, like, it just evolves over time. It sure does. If it were a movie, yeah, it would be planned. I wonder if actors get more demands. I wonder if people were saying, like, Steve Carell's, his people are saying his I, image is the, getting bad. The studio, yeah, the stu- or the studio could be like, uh, the audience hates the way this character is acting. Funny side note, nothing to do with this. So I took a production class in college, and I wrote my first movie. And I sort of based the character off myself. Was it called the Schmoffice? Exactly. No. So I ba- kind of based the character off myself. So I go in, we have the script reading class, and we're done with the script reading, and everybody's like, I thought it was okay. I really hated that main character. And I was like, oh, that's like kind of based off myself. <laughs> I had to do some self I feel like after that. when you write about... Do you still have it? The movie? We yeah. gotta see this. I, I made the movie. It got into Rhode Island Film Festival. <laughs> when, uh, when writers <laughs> tend to write from their own experiences, I feel like... You're always going to come off a little pretentious because you're writing about yourself to begin with. Like I did a script in college and it was this idea of 
my obsession in high school was to go to movie midnight premieres for all the movies. They don't and exist I always anymore. Get a, they don't exist anymore, and that truly is one of just the travesties because that made me fall in love with movies. There were no joke. They got to a point where when Revenge of the Sith came out. There was a line around our entire movie theater in the small town of 25,000 people. And I swear, 2% of the entire population of the town was just at this one little small theater. To watch Anakin turn yeah. Darth Vader. And so I wrote this script in college called Midnight Premiere about how, like, you go into a midnight premiere and you go, like, into the world of the movies and then come back out and you're, like, in this dystopian, stupid, most pretentious thing you could think of. And so I showed up in my class and they were just like, yeah, this sounds like you, Case, but we know you're a nicer guy than this. <laughs> it's just like, oh. We hate this guy. Yeah. But Brutal honesty, though, because if they were like, oh, we all love it, I'd, I'd probably, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, be truthful. Uh, we're getting totally off Christmas topic here, but when you're, you're in college and you're writing scripts, they're generally pretentious. That's or... what we should have done. I feel like in college, what we should have done is watch all the movies that made money, that were successful, and just use a formula off that, and we'd probably all have jobs as writers. But when you're in college, you're trying to make movies tell a good story, right? And, and when... What gonna, actually yeah, helped me when I went to South by Southwest is I saw the short films and how good they were, and the plots were so clever, but they were so simple. Yeah. Basically, I was writing short films that should have been features the whole time, and you're rushed, and the plot's rushed, when really you gotta, you got to write something that is a good story that is simple. I'm sort of fascinated with short films because they're able to take something so mundane and turn it into something fascinating, so... It's a, you know, there, there was this one short film that won the short film Oscar, I want to say, oh, six, give or take. It was called Six Shooter. And it was uh, some of the same writer and director as In Bruges and your favorite movie, Three Billboards. <laughs> and it's a story about, like, train acting as purgatory. And if you get off the train, you're either going to heaven or hell and stuff. But if it was a feature length, it would have been, like, source code. It would have been, like, the commuter, yeah. all these over the top. But instead, it was about, like, people in different booths dealing with certain things they couldn't figure out. Hmm. And I think you get that with short films. Yeah. And I wonder with the content that we're having now with all the ways to consume media with Netflix, movies, TVs, maybe eventually we'll start getting short films as a TV series. So I'm gonna give you, And that's kind of what a miniseries is. I'll give you yeah. this advice. You want to see some great short films, there's a website called shortoftheweek.com and they just awesome. have all the amazing short films. I saw this great short film at South by Southwest and the plot of the movie was basically it took place in England the one day where? in England and I think it was in London I don't know so it was his family a mother, father and a daughter and one day the mother started rising up in the air and she couldn't get herself down and she would get a little bit higher and higher every day to the point where like they had to kind of feed her up there and eventually she's getting higher and higher she gets through the roof into the sky and then you know she dies because she goes all the way up as high as you can. And it's basically a metaphor for like dying of a disease and like that, that problem with having, or like the, the sadness of having to say goodbye to somebody who's suffering because mm. they're slowly kind of leaving or you. Or was it just because Hans Gruber was at the top floor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get no, short, shorts are definitely, uh, like people may think like, Oh, it's easier to make because it's shorter, but it's really not. No, a good plot. It's in a true, though. Hard, yeah. Um, and uh, I think one of the... It's one of the smartest things you've ever said, Steve. <laughs> it's I true. Get what he's saying. Yeah. I get what he's saying. Uh -huh. These are harder when they're longer. <laughs> Some people think that. Um, but uh, one of the best uh, short films I've ever seen was at the PBD Essex Museum, I believe it's called, in 
Salem, Mass. Uh, and it was, I believe, maybe Japanese or something. I wish I remembered the name, but it was made entirely out of uh, shadow puppets, shadow mm-hmm. hand puppets. And, uh, like, it was beautiful. Like They made, like, animals and people and stuff, but uh, it had three acts, and it had a great uh, score. Um, and it was basically all about the evolution of man. Like, it started with, like, the discovery of, like, what I interpreted as, like, gold. And then it, like, uh, throughout the three acts, like, one act was all about, like, war. And it was kind of like how a lot of war is, like, let's make peace with war type of thing. Hmm. Um, and, like, so it was just, like, three beautiful acts about the evolution of man. Do you remember the name of it? Uh, I don't. I have it written down somewhere, though. Once you figure it out, you should post it to the Daily Nerd Facebook page so people can... Uh, yeah, I can do that. That's a, that's a ballsy thing to do when making a movie. It's like, let's make the whole thing out of Shadow Puppets. Yeah. Like Team America, World Police, the greatest <laughs> film ever made. I mean, that's, that's real cinema right there. Steve, I'm looking at the Golden Globe nominees. All right. And on here, I know you've been wanting to talk about this for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, actually, I haven't looked yet. I just want to make an excuse for you to be able to talk about this. Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Uh, it's yes. not on here because I don't think it could qualify. Oh, wow. That really was a good t- Thank transition. Thank you. That was a good transition. Steve's Why can't it qualify? Uh, probably because of the release date. Describe your reaction to the Better Call Saul season four season. So I was very happy with it. Spoilers. Warning. It's a spoiler warning. Yeah. Right. You're high level. Don't give anything away. Um, I love the position of power Mike was has been put in. Um, Interesting. There's one scene where he's towering over Gus while Gus is in the unfinished uh, laboratory. And I thought that was beautiful to show basically... Uh, Mike's untouchable until we all know in Breaking Bad. Um, but I kind of feel like that's the way Mike wanted it to be. I'd agree. So There's, speaking um, of Breaking Bad, movie was announced. That we can talk about. There's no spoilers mm. in that. We've all assumed that you guys have seen Breaking Bad. So I mean, yes, I've just, seen Breaking Bad. Yeah. But but it kind of pertains to the movie, but one question I have before we jump into it, the time jumps. Okay. Where exactly, what year are we in at the end of season four? The Black Better and White Call scene? Saul. No, no, no. I know that's okay. after. I think we're around. So two- what year are we in at the end of Better Call Saul and what year does Breaking Bad Breaking Bad take? starts in 08. And I 07, think, I think. Well... Okay, 07. Yeah. There was an Easter egg in this season about how we were like two years away from Walter White. I think we're in 04 and Break Better Call Saul now. Okay, so they're three years. I think. Give or take. Yeah. And three to four, yeah. So that yeah. makes me wonder, did they purposely design the show? where? Because not every season is within a year. I think everything's taking place over... There was a time jump in this season. I'm curious. Yeah, there was like a almost a four-year time jump. Yeah. Ten months, yeah. So I wonder if they're going to get to the point now where... Will they do each season for a year and then the ending is just the beginning? Or are they going to cross paths? I honestly think that they could have ended the show like this year. See, I think I How? thought that. I thought that. And and they could. It's one of those shows where I think they're lucky because at any season they can say, yeah, this is the last one. And everyone will go, that makes sense. But given how detailed they're going with how, like, how the plot is moving, they're getting very specific and slow. It's like, 
how the lab was built, how Jimmy got the cell phones. Yeah. And I think because it's moving so slow, there could be four or five more seasons. I think there's so much to this world. I think Vince Gilligan going. is going to do what he did Breaking Bad, and uh, there's going to be two seasons to go. It'll be six total. I almost or think, five, or he could split two. five and a half. I, I don't think it's going to go more than six. I, my question too, though, is why? Why would they want to leave this world? You know Vince, what I mean? Vince Gilligan and team respect a good story. I agree, but I honestly think there's so much story to tell. It's not like they're dragging this out. It's not like Walking Dead. Kind of feels like, like it though, because it takes forever for the seasons to come out. Well. I think I'd rather have that. Yeah. I'd rather have that. Give me, I mean... Like a Game of Thrones. A year and a half wait, it's worth it if the show's better. Game of Thrones, it was a two-year wait after a shitty season. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones, huh? No. No. Because I, I, I don't I'm watch it, but before that, we get into it, we got to jump back into the movie, though. Yeah, we should talk about the Breaking Bad movie. Okay. Your so, thoughts? Well, no, nothing's announced, right? Is it? Is it Jesse's story? What is it? Is it, it officially right, announced so that there's going to be a movie? There's going to be a movie. Okay. Vince Gilligan confirmed it. I think he's like I'm gonna get so <laughs> like, I'm gonna get so rich See, off this. Take away what you think it will be. What do you want it to be? That's way more fun. <sighs> he, oh oh wait, what, real quick before you start, he somebody said that Walter White is still alive. It, is no, black and white. he's not necessarily dead. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I don't it, want that. I think because don't forget there was a time jump. In the middle there. No, I was talking about at the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah, so the end of Breaking Bad, Saul is like, it's over, and then leaves, and then there's still two episodes left. And doesn't the, and isn't the la- there for a moment. Isn't the last scene of Breaking Bad slowly yeah. zooming off but his body? Saul, the cops coming. Saul's yeah. last episode was the episode before, and then there was that one month when he was up in the cabin in Granite State, in New Hampshire. Well, the, be- the best scene... So the black scene, and white could be during that time. One, oh, of, the, sure one of the best scenes of the last season of, uh, of this past season of Better Call Saul... Was they cut to him unloading all his money? In that probably takes place in that s- his oh, last yeah. episode of Breaking Bad. There was a not black and white flash forward. Yes. No, it wasn't no, a no, flash that, forward. That was, that was during, it was a flash forward for Better that Call was right Saul. Before he yeah, got yeah, picked yeah. up by the vacuum guy. That was when he got busted and he had to start putting. All I his was money so away. eager. I thought like, is Walter going to come like bursting through the store right now? Are we, we going to see Brian Cranston and Better Call Saul? That's what makes the show great. I, yeah. I think they're going to save it. I think there's going to be one of those, but they can't make no, it. Young. No, no, no. He's the season old. where he's packing up all the money and he's telling his secretary to shred everything. Spoiler alert! Jesus, this past season. Yeah, I already said spoiler alert. Yeah. We're covered. Yeah, but that's him. That's after he knows Walt's getting caught. So that was right. Yeah, before he got right picked up by the, the vacuum fan. guy. Remember when the two of them share a bunk bed for a oh. minute? Oh. That was right before he had a... I misinterpreted yeah, what yeah. you said. At least I think that, yeah. I mean, could, yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably right before they got picked yeah. up. Which I think so, is fascinating. So yeah. I'm going to be disappointed if Walt is still alive. So I think it's... He's still alive in the black and white world where he's not dead yet in the Breaking Bad timeline. It could be taking place... Within that month where yeah, Walt because, is... Yeah, because Walt called Saul, right? No, never called him. Didn't, when? When he was in the cabin in New Hampshire? Yeah. No. No? no? He couldn't He was call disconnected him. from everyone. Yeah. And then he made the call to his son. He doesn't, and he doesn't know where Saul is. Yeah. Because Saul he no also he left. went he off. He went off the grid, so he has yeah. no idea. I'm so, missing, I'm, isn't there a, uh, a scene where he's at a payphone or something? He calls his family. Calls his is family. it? Okay. He wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. But I think what's fascinating about this is that, going back to the movie, how amazing would it be if the Breaking Bad movie was a bridge between Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad? I'd rather have post-Breaking Bad. It will, but there's the black and white. Imagine. Yes. But, but, so, imagine ha, so how yeah. do you think Walt's alive in the black and white scene? So 
in episode seven of Breaking Bad, Saul and Walt are hiding in the vacuum guy's shop. Remember? They get yep. the, the industrial size, whatever. And they get picked up by the red van. They go underneath to the basement. And then Saul and Walt start arguing. And then the vacuum guy's like, Saul, it's your time to leave. Walt, you got to stay here. Saul leaves. That's the last time we see him in Breaking Bad. And then Walt goes to New Hampshire, does all this stuff. And we never hear from Saul. What happened to him? We never knew. Now we do. The black and white world could be within that one month frame where he just escaped. Well, I mean, in that scene. He has a mustache and he's a yeah, little older. It, yeah, in that it scene, doesn't like, seem like it's. That's true. But I also think that, that time that, has gone by in that time. He doesn't know Walt's dead. How does he know? And in that There's exchange no with yet. Walt when they're in that room briefly before Saul leaves, he's like, if I'm lucky, I'm a manager at a Cinnabon, you know. Yeah, he called it out. So basically. In, yeah. but we so that's probably why he's nervous because he told Walt where what, he was going. What's yeah. the timeline in Breaking Bad from when, from that scene you just described to Walt in New Hampshire to Walt being allegedly dead? They never really said, but I'm a couple months. He was gone for because the the vacuum guy that came to deliver him all the stuff goes, "I'll be back in a month," and he came back in a month, and then more stuff happened. So yeah, I'm guessing it's less it was like than a, two, a year, three, two but, three month window there between the last three. And he had terminal cancer again. This cancer come back. Yeah. And he was getting like treatment from this guy. Hey, hey. By the way, yeah. legendary actor there, isn't it? Isn't it Robert Forrester? He's like an actual Robert Forrester. legit actor. Yeah, well, he's one of the best. And yeah. his role in Breaking Bad reminds me of his role in um, Jackie Brown. You know what's funny? And I'm embarrassed to say it. I haven't seen Jackie Brown. It's wonderful. And I love Quentin Tarantino movies. I think you'd love that movie. I think I, it's I have Robert it on Forrester. DVD. Yeah, it's, it's great. One Christmas my brother gave me, before Netflix was really big, gave me just like a bunch of Tarantino DVDs. It's like, watch these. So Jack Brown's in there. Because he directed it. Yeah, of course. I know that. <laughs> I was just talking about, I was just talking about uh, to somebody True Romance, which I haven't seen, but Tarantino wrote True yeah, Romance. Yeah, True Romance is wonderful. Yeah. It's uh, Tony Scott directed and Tarantino written. Okay, did Tony Scott direct Top Gun? Yes. Okay, I thought so. He, that's, Ooh, a very, that's a very sad story. Can we just take Scott. a... Sorry. Can we take a quick break? For what? My laundry. But are we in like a multi-million dollar studio right now? Of course. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be back uh, after this break. 